When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Premier League All Access podcast with me, Sam Matterface. Alongside me once again, Talk Sports Chief Football Correspondent, Alex Crook and former Chelsea, West Ham and Benfica hero, it's Scott Minto. This is what's coming up on the show today. You won't want to miss it. Not really sure of the motivation for Brentford. Is David Raya that much of a troublesome character? Was he that desperate to leave that they were willing to accept any offer in the end? Very odd from a B's perspective. If Paul Hagenbottom keeps Sheffield United up, I don't care if Pep does the treble again. You know, this guy should be manager of the season. It's been described to us at TalkSport by sources at West Ham as a messy situation and really how do you stop a player joining Manchester City if their interest is serious as, as we believe it is I think this is a an unwanted headache for David Moyes Nicholas Jackson is he for real you know who does replace him is it just Richarlison um is that what they're going to do because if you are going to bring someone else in and the season starts it's going to take them time Yes, time to get into Premier League All Access and what a way to start on Friday night. Burnley against Manchester City is live on TalkSport. It's a massive opening fixture for Burnley. Scott and Vincent Company against his former club at Manchester City. City treble winners. They've won nine of the last ten opening day fixtures. Who says they start slowly? <laughs> Look, it's the perfect game, isn't it, for the neutral and certainly for Vincent Company. I think they taught a lesson last season in the cup, but... I, look, I, I think this is the type of game where you almost the big boys aren't properly ready and are a little bit undercooked. And, you know, they weren't great in the Community Shield, Manchester City. So so why not try and go for it? It's a home game. Uh, I know Vincent Company does things a little bit differently. I, listen, I know what he's like. If he, he wants to play exactly like Pep and if he does that, they will lose. So I'm just interested to see whether he'll tweak it at all or just say, do you know what? This is the way we'll play for the season. We'll lose some games, but we'll also win some games, but it will be entertaining. It was interesting to hear Vincent Company, and I spoke to the uh, one of the people that worked behind the scenes there about the way they did pre-season because they finished so much earlier than everybody else. They brought players back from a sort of mini pre-season break three weeks after their season ended, gave them then 10 days off before they started pre-season proper it was all it was in order to sort of make sure that he had them um for for a, a period where they could get their fitness up then allow them to spend more time with their families then come back again and maybe it adds a little bit of texture to pre-season for them they do play entertaining football um but they have they got the depth to compete at the premier league level they've got a really tough start crook city then villa then spurs then united and newcastle a week's break because their match with Luton is postponed. They did very well at home last season, but they're going to have to rely on turf more, aren't they, if they're going to stay in the Premier League? Yeah, you'd have thought so. Because of the way that Vincent Company likes to play, I can see them suffering some heavy defeats on the road. Of course, they were battered by City in the FA Cup last season. I think they will be a little bit more attritional in this game. They can't be too open or they will get picked off. But they've been active in the market, haven't they? Sander Berger arriving from Sheffield United. He's got Premier League pedigree. They're in for uh, Aaron Ramsey as well at Aston Villa. Looks like that deal could happen. Obviously, James Trafford will debut against his former club. So I think the biggest compliment we can pay Burnley is that when we've done our season previews, none of us have really talked about them in terms of being relegation candidates. That's partly because of the Vincent Company effect. I think it's partly because, unlike Luton and Sheffield United, the board have backed their manager. Yeah, interesting last season, 101 points, one defeat at home all season. They have signed, as Crook has already said, a lot of young talent. James Trafford won, but Italian under-20 forward Luca 
Corleosho. They've secured Jordan Bayer, who was excellent at centre-back for them last season. They're going to miss Matson, who was terrific for them on the left-hand side last campaign. Uh, Zeki Amdoni, the forward, has been secured. They're into uh, Hertha Berlin's Dodi Lukabakio too. He got 12 goals and five assists in the Bundesliga last season, but got relegated. Their pre-season results have been good, Scott, but have they got enough experience? No, is the answer. But as we, as Cookie just said, I do think that they'll be okay, basically because there'll be more than three worst teams. There'll be more than three worst teams than Burnley. They'll probably finish between the 11th and 15th. Um, but 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 they will have some some big losses, and I don't think it's experience. And you mentioned some names there, and you know Manuel Benson's also signed a new contract as well. I, I think against the real big boys, they will be hit, but they will win enough games to stay up. And that's why, listen, if they get anything out of this game against City, it's an absolute free hit because no one is expecting them to. Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, but some strange things happen on the opening weekends of the season. And starting, talking of strange things and quite odd occurrences, once again over the weekend, Erling Haaland failed to score um, for Manchester City. Um, that's now six competitive games for Haaland without scoring. Um, are we starting to panic, Crook? Are we, are we worrying about the fact that Erling Haaland, <laughs> the striking Viking? hasn't scored any goals. I mean, me, obviously, I've got him as my number one pick in my, in my fantasy draft. So, automatically, I'm starting to get a little bit nervous at this point. Am I, am I, am I overreacting a little bit? The day that I start to worry about a Man City player being out of form is probably the day that I hang up the microphone, <laughs> to be honest. Try and be professional, if you can, just for a second. You know, the league needs its superstar. There'll um, be a lot of people who will want Crookie to hang up his microphone, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's just Mrs Crook. Um, listen, I, I think it is a little bit alarming. Um, I think he looked way off the pace in that community shield. And inevitably, I think there will be a bit of a come down after last season. I'm not saying that he's become a bad player overnight, but I think it'd be very difficult for Haaland to hit the heights of the last campaign. Obviously, he's quite reliant on Kevin De Bruyne in, in terms of, of service. I'm sure he'll start this game, but how match sharp is De Bruyne? I actually think, and listen, I'm not going to say that Burnley are going to win this game, but if you're looking for a banker bet for the weekend, I'm not sure it'd be City to win away at Turf Moor. As you said, Sam, surprise results can happen on the opening day of the season. I think this is a bad fixture for City in many ways. And it wouldn't surprise me if the champions didn't emerge victorious and if Haaland does draw another blank. Here we go. Haaland hat-trick now, 4-0 win for City. <laughs> I've got this down as a draw yeah. um, for Friday night. 1-1 or something like that. Um, so you're not going to go as far as to call him a donkey again, though, are you? Whatever you do, don't do that. <laughs> no, that, that, has been, uh, that has been safely tucked in a bin. No one really brings that up anymore. It's strange. I've got to say, that is funny. When you put Alex Crook and Erling Haaland in a sentence and someone calls someone a donkey. It's, it's and it's that- not Alex Crook. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you know what? I got in trouble, actually, Crookie. It was so funny. Someone sent me a message saying, stop, stop bullying Alex Crook on the podcast. There you go. I was like, what? <laughs> so I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm determined to be more nice to you uh, this yeah, week. It worries um, me when you're but, nice, so crack on. Do you know, do you know what? I, I, think, I must admit, I thought you've done some brilliant work in terms of acquiring many exclusives this week. Um, and it has been quite an active week in terms of transfers, hasn't it? Um, Josco Gvardiol has got over the line for Manchester City. But it doesn't look like Walker and Bernardo Silva are going to leave now, Crook. No, um, I think Carl Walker has played the situation perfectly to get himself a better deal at, at Man City. Fair play to him. There has been interest in Bernardo Silva, but I think given that Mares has been allowed to leave, obviously Gundogan has gone as well. City keen to keep hold of him. It's a strange one, Bernardo, because he always seems to be hankering for a move, but he played 40-odd games for City last season, a team that won the treble. So I don't really understand his motivation, but I think he'll stay. I think it's because it's hard work playing for Pep, right, Scott? I tell you what, you, you, you never sleep, do you? And even when you do sleep, you probably dream about Pep having a pop at you for not being in the right position. So, look, uh, uh, if you want to be part of the best team in the world, under the best manager in the world, then you've you got to deal with that. But Silver, it, just when it looks like he's out the side, he keeps coming back and play as 40-game seasons, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Um, right, OK, let's get stuck into the weekend now, starting with last season's runners-up at home to Nottingham Forest. Up, Man City champions. From last season, it's got to be challenging for the title again. They're the team that came second in the Premier League. Can they make the next step? 
So I think now they're a more attractive proposition for players that are prospective players that are coming in. Declan Rice is going to go all alone! Oh my word! You know, this year I feel like collectively as a club, as a set of players, we can do special things. This is what we want uh, and be in every front um, fighting for the trophies. And Arsenal win the first silverware of the season! Victory here for Nottingham Forest means they are safe. We want to do better than last year while respecting how tough this league is and knowing that the first port of call will be to to re retain status. And Morgan gives White has equalised. He's volleyed it in. And Talksport starts its coverage 12:30 on Saturday lunchtime. Arsenal against Nottingham Forest. Premier League All Access will take you behind the scenes in Monday's show as well and tell you what happened in the tunnel, pre-match, post-match. We'll take you into the press conference room and bring you interviews from that particular uh, game. I'll be there alongside Scott and Martin O'Neill for TalkSport this weekend as part of game day, which kicks off at 11 o'clock. Um, first of all, does Matt Turner play after his £7 million transfer from Arsenal to Nottingham Forest? Last week, he was on the bench in the Community Shield for Arsenal. This week, he could be in goal against them at the Emirates Crook. Yeah, I think he probably will. Um, you, you look at Forrest in the goalkeeping department, there is a, a shortage of options, bearing in mind that both keepers who were there last season aren't any longer on the books. That could change because they're still in for Dean Henderson despite the arrival of, of Turner. But makes it an awkward opponent for Arsenal, doesn't it? Because he'll have a point to prove having been let go. I still think Arsenal will have more than enough to, to win the game. And obviously you've got concerns that you expressed on the preview podcast about Nottingham Forest this season. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Turner produced an inspired goalkeeping performance. Yeah, Arsenal had a nearly season last year, Scott, but they bolstered their squad, their trophy cabinet with the Community Shield and that psychological boost of beating Manchester City. Raya will join Rice, Havertz and Timber and they take on a Forest side whose pre-season looked a little concerning defensively. Yeah, look, I mean, in terms of Arsenal, we touched on, on the pod. I really wanted to to go to Wembley and, and see them and make a statement. And you can turn around and say, well, they found a way to beat City. I was actually really unimpressed with Arsenal. Uh, and City weren't great either. And, and it's the community shield. But I was looking for something for, to tell me, do you know what? Arsenal will be the title holders this season. Kai Havertz has a couple of chances. He doesn't score either of them. They, they get away with I don't know how many minutes of injury time and a, and a very lucky goal. I don't take a lot of positives out of it, I'll be honest with you. I thought Timber was very good. Declan Rice, I think, will be very good, but but wasn't on the day. But Arsenal need an out-and-out -out goal score, and they haven't had that. But in terms of this particular game, Sam, I mean, you know, Forrest are one of the worst teams on the road last season, weren't they? And look, I, I think they'll be OK. I know you've tipped them to, to go down, but I actually think they'll be OK. But they'll be there or thereabouts, but it'll be a home win here. Uh, Forrest started pre-season playing sort of a quite a fluid 5-2-2-1 formation. It sort of merged into a 3-4-2-1 with Yates playing higher up. But after they had this defensive hell show against Wren when they went to a back four, Yates then played uh, in a deeper position and screened the back five against Frankfurt. They drew nil-nil. Working out how ready they are for the start of the season is a bit difficult, really. Goals were the problem last campaign. They averaged one goal a game. Steve Cooper wants them to play. He told me that... You know, they have to defend, win the ball back, all fine. But then to get points in this league, when you got it, you have to play. You need to get up the pitch. You need to create chances. What else, Scott, do they need to get out of their midfield in order to feed that front line, which is undoubtedly talented? Yeah, look, I think last year was always all about just survival, especially with the 58 signings they made as well. You know, obviously, <laughs> week by week basis, Steve trying to work out what is his best eleven. Now, you know, they've been a bit more sensible and he knows what he kind of wants to do. You know, it's interesting what happened with Ryan Yates because he also played a lot further forward in the early part of pre-season. Yeah, so, he did, yeah. Yeah, clearly, the, you know, that sort of... the, the and, and defensively, the start of pre-season, they were decent. And I'm, I'm sort of thinking, actually, they'll be OK defensively. Whereas going forwards, they've, you know, brought in some players. You know, Gibbs White is a big player. He'll come back in as well and, and they will be OK. But then... There's the odd pre-season result that always throws that around. What I would say is I just I just think they're a year further down the line. And I think Steve will be able to get them again because there'll be a lot of other worse teams to just get above that dotted line. But but as I say, they, they could they conceded quite a few at the Emirates last season. They might <laughs> 
They did. Uh, absolutely. And look, listen, I hope I'm wrong about Nottingham Forest because, as you know, I'm a bit of a bit of a closet Forest fan, a bit of a Steve Cooper fan. I love him to pieces. I think he's a very good manager. I just think uh, that they haven't done enough business, especially in that defensive area. Uh, the goalkeeper's a good uh, acquisition uh, for them. But I hope I'm wrong about them and I hope they survive. My worry was always that Wolverhampton Wanderers would change their manager. I didn't think they'd change their manager as quickly as they have. But we sort of indicated what could happen if, you know, a Bournemouth scenario happened and they got rid of uh, Scott Parker and brought in a Gary O'Neill. Again, I wasn't expecting at that time for Gary O'Neill to be the Wolverhampton Wanderers by the time we got to our live and exclusive commentary for Monday night. We'll do that a little bit later on on Premier League All Access. We did warn you that Julian Lepetegui was going to uh, be moved on at Wolverhampton Wanderers on Monday's show. Crook, talk to me about this David Raya deal at Arsenal. Um, when it first came about, I suggested to you, this was, oh, this smelled a bit funny. It didn't, didn't ring true uh, to me. And I still don't understand it after seeing the structure of the deal. Very odd, uh, because I reached out to somebody close to Brentford a couple of days ago and they told me it was a £30 million deal. I guess in some ways it is, but it's only £3 million up front for a season's loan and then a £27 million option for all parties have to be in agreement. I think for Arsenal, it's a fantastic deal because they've got a proven Premier League number one for £3 million, someone who's going to compete with Aaron Ramsdale. I would still expect Aaron to start the season as number one. But I'm not really sure of the motivation for Brentford. Is David Raya that much of a troublesome character? Was he that desperate to leave that they were willing to accept any offer in the end? Very odd from a B's perspective. But, 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 but also, what does it do for David Raya? I mean, apart from giving him the opportunity to go to Arsenal and push the current number one, what really, what, what, why has he signed a new contract? Is that because he's so desperate to get out? I mean, it must be like they're pulling the emergency cord here in order to get rid of him for some reason unexplained to us, Scott. I, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you, I'm with you too. I, I just don't get it. I don't even get it from Arsenal's point of view, to be honest with you. I mean, Aaron Ramsdale now will definitely start the season. And if David Ray is only on loan for the season, you would, well, you, you would have thought it would be, OK, we'll sign him on a four-year contract, David, um, wait a year, and then you'll be our goalkeeper going forward because we're not going to kick Ramsdale out straight away so close to the start of the season. For it to be a loan deal, I... I I, I don't. I'm baffled, mate. I'm absolutely baffled. <laughs> I don't think you're the only one. I think it's a it's a very strange deal, and the winner is Mikel Arteta. I think because he basically has a three million pound loan goalkeeper who's very good and will push his number one to be even better. And if all it does over the course of the season is just make Ramsdale fantastic, then it's a fantastic deal for for uh, for Arsenal, and he can even send. Raya back at the end of next year. I just don't know why Raya, who was desperate to get out and could have gone to Bayern Munich, ended up signing a new deal. Very strange. But anyway, I'm sure more will come out in the wash when Crook, our chief football correspondent, gets dug into that and underneath the skin of it. A uh, quick uh, word on uh, the goal scoring for Arsenal. Um, Havertz through the middle. Would they not think about uh, Enketia this weekend after what happened last weekend, Crook? I think they might, although... What message does that send out to Kai Havertz if you try him as a false number nine for one game against the champions and then leave him out? So, no, I think probably um, it will still be Kai Havertz. I, I think they're going to get more joy this week. Uh, Martinelli was marked out the game by Kyle Walker. It's going to be difficult for Forrest to do a similar job on him. Port Saka was excellent at times in the Community Shield. Especially so. when Serge Aurier is playing <laughs> at right back. Yeah, watch those tackles. Um, so, no, I've got no concerns for Arsenal in terms of scoring this weekend. I think they'll score at least a couple probably without reply. Yeah, penalty incoming. Um, Forrest have signed another fullback though, haven't they? In Ola Aina, he's been playing on the left-hand side. Um, Ilanga did quite well in the Leeds friendly, I think, endeared himself to the fans. But I mean, most of the comments that I saw about that was because he ran around a lot and went <laughs> and got a ball when it went out of play. Um, young goalie George Shelby done well in pre-season, but he's not going to play because now Turner is back. Uh, so it will be fascinating to watch Arsenal against Nottingham Forest Saturday, 12.30 live on Talk Sport. Looking forward to that. West Ham have finally started to spend their Declan Rice money. However, should they be bracing themselves for another high-profile exit? Bournemouth against West Ham is live on Talk Sport 2 at 3pm on Saturday. Uh, now, Lucas Paqueta... Shall we discuss this situation? Because, Crookie, I think you were treated rather unfairly 
by the social media team behind the Lucas Paqueta account. Let's just have it right. You know, he didn't tweet this. Um, but Manchester City are lurking with intent now. What's going to happen? Well, he's changed agents, um, which was one of the reasons that I said what I did about him not being overly enamoured with the playing style at West Ham. I think it took a long time for West Ham fans to see the best of him last season. He's become a cult hero because of what he did towards the end of the campaign, in particular in that run to Conference League glory. But there have been murmurings for some time now that he could be looking maybe at his next option, as I say, having changed agents. I think there's always a telltale sign. It's been described to us at Talk Sport by sources at West Ham as a messy situation. And really, how do you stop a player joining Manchester City if their interest is serious, as, as we believe it is? I think this is a an unwanted headache for David Moyes in what's been a, a turbulent summer for West Ham in many ways already. Yeah, it's been 65 days, Scott, since we were in Prague at the Conference League final, all having the time of our lives with the West Ham fans who were having uh, the time of a generation. But nine weeks and two days seemingly is a long time in football. This is a club that have gone from euphoria to trepidation in double quick time. Yeah, but to be fair to them, they're now starting to make the signings. And, you know, I may be slightly controversial. I, I, from a West Ham point of view, I, I wouldn't think it's the worst thing in the world if Pakatar does go. Um, I think in the, the, the whole time he's been there, I don't think he's been sort of consistent. And that's what I think David... I don't think he's a David Moyes type player. And if David Moyes gets his players in, like it looks like he's starting to get to, a Harry Maguire, Ward Prowse, and maybe even a McTominay, I think that you'd see a lot more of what we saw of West Ham a couple of seasons ago. Very difficult, yeah. to be, very powerful. And then you're talking top 10, without a doubt. Is that what the fans want to see? That's a good question. That's a great question. Probably, probably not. But were they happy or not when they finished sixth and seventh? You know, or or do they? And if they not, don't, not want really. That, <laughs> I mean, it has been quite a sort of undercurrent of unhappiness there every now and again for quite some while. I mean, look, I, it's a difficult question to ask because you don't know. We're not. I'm not a West Ham fan, so I don't know how they feel. But I do feel like it's a it's a difficult fan base to placate because they have this history of the West Ham way. David Moyes certainly doesn't fit into that, but he has won them the first European trophy in eons. There seems to be a constant cloud over his future. We've already mentioned Pakatar's future being up in the air. Will Ward Prowse and Maguire placate that fan base that want to build on the European success? Because that's the key thing, isn't it? It's, it's not about just being satisfied with what happened 65 days ago. It's about building on that European success. Crook? Well, I think you're going to see a lot of set-piece goals from that particular combination. So that doesn't suggest it's going to be silky football. Listen, James Ward-Prowse has got leadership qualities. Harry Maguire obviously has had the armband at, at Manchester United. I hope it works out for him because he's confident has been shot. He was booed in a friendly again at the weekend, which is never nice it's to great. see. Um, so I think... He's got to get out. Yeah, it had to happen. Um, so I think for Maguire, it's a fresh start. I think you know what you're going to get from James Ward-Prowse. Edson Alvarez is an interesting one, seen as a, a similar player to Declan Rice, obviously without the, the same quality level at this moment in time. But what I think we're seeing with these signings is actually the board are backing David Moyes. And I wonder what it will mean for Tim Stiton, the new sporting director, because he had a different list of targets. But the fact they're going British primarily with Premier League experience suggests that David Moyes has got his way. But that's not the right way of doing it either, is it? Let's be honest. It's What's the point in bringing a sporting director and then going, well, actually, yeah, we bought you in, but we're just not going to listen to you. It doesn't yeah, really Sam, make sense. And that's Sam. the problem. Yeah, but Sam, you, you, can't, you can't also have a sporting director making lots of signs and saying to the manager, deal with it. And he doesn't Absolutely. clearly want that sign. And then the manager, it doesn't work out. And the sporting director says, no. well, it's because you're not a good enough manager. And he's but saying, Scott, well, don't you have once to once. hire the right sporting director to fit the manager and they have to be able to work in tandem? Surely that's no. the utopian view. Well, absolutely, but but you don't necessarily buy in a sporting or bring in a sporting director to fit the manager who's only got one year left in his contract. And if the start of the season doesn't go well, you're right, the will start. So, look, I, I think the hierarchy is the, the owners, the sporting director, and then the manager. But, you know, the, the owners need to decide what they're going to do here. Moise's only got a year left in his contract. And if it does start badly or you are going to go down a different route or make a decision which route you're going to go down... How can you go down Moisey's route if he's only got a year left and he might not be there the following season when you're asking players to sign four and five-year contracts? But, so but, they but need again, to 
you shouldn't have got yourself in that situation, right? Absolutely. But they need to make a decision about Moise's future. Yes. And if you're not sure about him, then you go with the sporting director. Simple as that. Okay. Um, let's talk about Bournemouth because they've got a new boss themselves. It's a new era at the Vitality Stadium. They can get off to a great start, I think, here in this game against West Ham. Hamad Traore, Milash Kirkes, uh, Roman Favre, Justin Cliver. But more excitingly, um, a manager who loves front foot football will press high, smother the opposition in their half. As long as they don't give away too many set pieces because that was their Achilles heel last season, they can get off to a cracking start here, Scott. Yeah, they can. And, and you know... There's not a lot of people saying that they will be one of the teams that will go down either. Because, I, you know, as much as we thought it was unfair what happened to Gary, and I'm really pleased to see him back in, I think Iriola is a really good manager. I think he'll get them playing exciting football. Of course, they will lose more matches than they will win. But I think it will be a question again of there were some moans from the fans. And I remember Cookie saying last season about how they weren't, even when they were sort of getting themselves out of it, they weren't enamoured by the style of football under Gary. So, I think this would be exciting times. I think he's got, um, you know, a good style of play. And the, and the Bournemouth fans will, will understand that they're, they're going to be round the, the bottom. But actually, when they do win games, they will enjoy it. Um, Rao Vallecano, which was Iriola's former team, were one of the most effective pressing teams in Spain. They, they played with a high block, forced teams into errors in dangerous areas. When, when you go back to sort of last November and the season's pause for the World Cup in Qatar, um, Rio were second in La Liga in terms of balls recovered per match. And they ranked third in teams for winning the ball in the highest distance up the pitch, fourth in recovering the ball in the opposition's half. So I think you can get from that, Crook, a style of play that you're going to see at the Vitality Stadium. You know how Bournemouth are going to approach each and every match. And I think they've got a squad actually that's suited to that style of play. They've got a lot of athletic, energetic players, people like Tavernier. You mentioned um, Traore, who I think we're yet to see the best out of as well. Dominic Solanke is as good as there is at leading the press from the front, to be honest. doesn't score many goals, but I think he works tirelessly for the team. And I'm really enthused about the pre-season that David Brooks has had. He looks back to his best after obviously recovering from cancer, missing out on the World Cup with Wales. As a result of that, he's had hamstring issues as well. He's going to be like a new signing and I think he could be a hidden gem this season for Bournemouth. Yeah, well, let's hope so because um, it's great to see him back on a football field after what was a really difficult time for him and his family. Uh, Bournemouth did brilliantly the way they stuck by him and helped him and the way they nursed him back and were patient. The fans were patient with him and to see him playing football again is a great sight. 5.30 on Saturday night, Newcastle against Aston Villa. Aston Villa failed to win any of their last 15 visits to St. James's Park. But this is an early meeting of the two disruptors. Many think that Villa, Crook, uh, will finish above Newcastle this season. Jim White thinks differently. They've had a massive bet about it. Uh, but there's optimism at St. James's Park too, after they added Harvey Barnes, Tino Livramento and Sandro Donali uh, to a squad that qualify for the Champions League, Scott. Um, who's better placed heading into the season, Scotty? Well, look, if you're talking about the bet, I, I, and I listened live on radio about how Jim just sucks crookie so into did that the yes, he, did, he did. He, <laughs> he did. Was not yeah. happy. He did. <laughs> It, it, it was it was very clever by Jim. It was a bold statement, not overly bold by by Crooked to say, "Look, Villa could be do good this season," and then and it developed into that bet. I think out of the two, I'd still go with with Jim's um, because I think both teams now have to deal with Europe, and we know that Emery loves his European competitions. And for me, it, there's no banker, but they're they're my favourites for the Europa Conference League. Haven't seen it, and it's, the quality isn't great. But I just think Newcastle will struggle, Sam, to to deal with. I think a lot of their players overachieved last season. I think they haven't brought in enough in terms of numbers. The quality's been decent, of course it has, but but also St. Maximan's gone out, you know, and Barnes has come in, and you can argue, and I know Cookie has, that that's an upgrade. But still, you know, I'm not sure it's enough of an upgrade. Barnes was part of a side that got relegated last season, so I just feel that Newcastle will struggle to to, to finish in the top four. But they should certainly enjoy this season and, and the top six is is not out of the question. And I, and I do feel that they will finish just above Villa. 
I think they will promote from within as well, Newcastle United. I think they'll bring in Anderson uh, into the first team squad. Miley might get a run out every now and again. He's still very, very young, but he's definitely one for the future. You'll see him off the bench a couple of times uh, this campaign as well. Both those two young players have had very good yeah, in pre-seasons. Um, Musa Diaby and Pau Torres are the headline additions at Villa Park this summer. But really and truly, Crook, it is Unai Emery who has changed the mood. The last game before he took charge, they lost 4-0 to Newcastle. But by the time they met at the end of the season, the tables had turned. Villa won 3-0 and he had a 55% win rate. What has he done? Well, he's made them more organised. I think he's made them more structured than they were under Steven Gerrard. He settled on a starting eleven, whereas Gerrard was chopping and changing every week. Um, but I don't think their business is done. The fact they're willing to sell Ramsey to Burnley, potentially, and are open to offers. This is a young Ramsey, isn't it? Yeah. He's not his brother. His brother, who had a brilliant season, breakout season last season, Jacob Ramsey, is sticking around. But it's his younger brother who's going. Yeah, and I think Jacob's going to miss the start of the season, isn't he? due to that injury that he picked up at the under-21 Euros. But they're going to sell Cam Archer as well, it looks like. I know Luton, uh, one of the clubs, keen on him. So I would suggest they have a, a, another striker in mind because otherwise they leave themselves a bit short in that area, a bit too reliant on, on Ollie Watkins. So there's still three weeks of the window to go. I still expect Villa to be active. But you're right, it, it is really tapping into what Unai Emery did in that second half of the season. Not too many managers picked up uh, more points than he did in the time that he was there. That's why I made the bet. I think Newcastle's business is pretty much done um, due to FFP restrictions. And I think maybe it will absorb more of their energy trying to go toe-to-toe with the best in the Champions League than it will for Villa in a competition that I think they should win. Ollie Watkins uh, flourished under Unai Emery last season. Um, Do you think, Scott, that he could target a place in the Euros squad next summer? Absolutely. I I was actually at Villa Park when they hammered Newcastle 3-0 and 3-0 trust me Newcastle. Ollie Watkins absolutely ran them ragged I remember saying that day you know I bet he wished the World Cup was coming up to the end of the season rather than already just gone in the the early part of the season if he can get that type of form 100% because look we we know it's Harry Kane and then others but if ever Harry Kane's ever injured and you know during the end of a season then I'll tell you what, that place is up for grabs and Ollie Watkins is one of them, I'm sure. Let's move on to some of the three o'clock kickoffs because Adrian Durham will be taking you around the grounds as always. Game Day Live, we're back underway um, on Saturday afternoon. So after we've done Game Day Live on TalkSport um, and we brought you Arsenal on Ottingham Forest, we'll take you around the grounds at 2.30 with Game Day Live and Adrian Durham. Uh, looking forward to that. There's some big fixtures at three o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Uh, the return of Luton, the return of Sheffield United. Luton, the first club to make a return to the top flight of English football after descending all the way down to the north non-league. But how will their approach of hitting those two centre-forwards from deep, target men who win the ball or drift wide and link the play, cope against Dunk and Webster, two gnarly old centre-halves from from the Brighton Beach? What's going to happen here? Scotty? Well, look, I I think, again, we talked about the the one team overachieving. We've just done that and got, got Europe coming up. I think Brighton's the same. It will be interesting to see what happens with Caicedo. I don't know if Crookie's got any news of that, but they have only sort of lost McAllister. I'm looking at their what could be their first eleven. That's a very good first eleven. You know, it's still very, very good. So in terms of this particular game, where I think Luton have got problems at centre back, you know, I, I think that that Brighton can open them up here, and and it could be a very difficult day. We know Brighton on the day at home can can embarrass any team, any team at all, and. I think Luton needs to make sure they're just not embarrassed here because I do fancy a Brighton win strongly. It's um, it's a better team this season, Brighton's team, than it was at the end of last season, isn't it? Because some of those younger players are a year older. They're more experienced. They've picked up more in the second half of the season, certainly, as the opinion I'm thinking of, and, and CISO. But they've also added João Pedro uh, through the middle. Is Roberto De Zerbi going to be the, 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 the ire, the object of fantasy manager's ire this season? Because we've got Ferguson, Welbeck and João Pedro. And for most of last season, Crook, they only play one main striker. Who's going to start as the, as the number nine? Oh, don't say that because I've just picked my fantasy team and, and Ferguson is in it because I'm expecting this to be a, a really fruitful yeah. year for him. But you kind of feel like because he's the record sign and they've got to play Joe Pedro, I guess he's not necessarily an out-and-out number nine. Maybe he could occupy one of the wide positions, but it's a it's a nice position that Arsenal have got themselves, that Brighton have got themselves into because it has been an issue ever since they came into the Premier League actually finding that 
out-and-out striker who's going to score regular goals in the Premier League. So I'm intrigued to see how they fit João Pedro, Welbeck and Ferguson into the side. But I really hope that Ferguson, A, can stay fit because he did pick up some injuries last season. I guess you do when you're a teenager and you've got a body that probably is bigger than it should be in terms of his age. Um, But yeah, I hope he plays, but you have just put that bit of doubt in my my mind now, Sam. Oh dear, think about that. Sorry, uh, uh, Crookie, I think he will play. And it will be interesting to see if Jarrell Pedro just plays just behind and then your will back will be will back will be coming off the bench. I think Ferguson is an absolute star in the making. And you're right, if he can sort his sort of growing pains out. Listen, <laughs> I, I think I said to you earlier uh, in the summer, if it was me, I would have gone out and got him at, at Manchester United. I would have bought him instead of um, came. At, they, they have done something similar in a sense. They've gone and bought, Hoyland, who I think they probably think represents slightly better value for them, even though the, the profile is 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 pretty similar. Um, in terms of the acquisitions that Luton have made, they've signed Thomas Kaminsky from Blackburn, the goalkeeper. Ryan Giles has come in, Tahit Chong. Marvellous Nakamba signed a permanent contract after being on loan. And interestingly, Ross Barkley has signed a contract at Kenilworth Road. Um, how do you think he's going to get on, Scott? Sam, I've got no idea. Um, but for my my in, yeah. Well, this, that that's an. I'm not going to say something I don't believe in, Crookie. You know, I'm not saying that you do that, but I'm just saying that I'm not. My instinct. <laughs> oh, 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 an early two footer from Minto. If it'll let me finish, I was just about to say my instincts say I don't think it will go well. Um, you know, we haven't seen Ross Barkley be the the Ross Barkley for for many a year now. And I think you're asking him to come in where I think he's been playing abroad, isn't he? Um, to a team that we know is not going to be possession-based. He's not necessarily going to play the way that he's used to been playing or has been brought up to. Um, and we don't yet know if he's 100% sort of match fit for the Premier League. So my instinct is it, it's not going to go too well. But I, I, it's been a tough few years. So I hope it does. Yeah, Sheffield United against Crystal Palace is another three o'clock uh, game. Another blow for the Blades, losing Sander Berger to Burnley of all teams. It's going to be a very long season for them. Crook said earlier in the week on our pre-season preview that he thought that maybe they would rival Derby County for the lowest points total ever in the, the, the Premier League. Uh, Crystal Palace are having the most Roy Hodgson pre-season of all, aren't they? Literally, no one's really talking about them. It's all pretty boring, pretty solid, nothing too exciting, but everything's going to be okay. Is that fair, Crook? Yeah, I think so. Um, It will be interesting to see how Roy attacks the season because he took the shackles off, didn't he, at the end of last year to to keep them in the Premier League, probably thinking that he wouldn't be there beyond the end of the season. I think we might see a more Hodgson-type approach to this season. Get those shackles back on. But it was interesting, wasn't it? It came out um, on Norwegian television, I think it was. Uh, Roy Hodgson having a bit of a pop at Vicente Guaita for refusing to play, basically, uh, which went a little bit under the radar. So there are one or two issues behind the scenes at Palace. But I, I think because of Hodgson and because they've still got at this stage Ezer and Elise and they've still got a pretty solid back line with Anderson and, and Gerhi, I think they'll be fine. But I don't think it's going to be scintillating football at Selhurst Park. It's interesting, isn't it? Because even when something like that happens, just imagine that happened at any other club, right? The manager goes in front of a Norwegian television camera and says the goalkeeper's out of order. He didn't want to play for us. It's headlines everywhere. But it's Royal Hodgson, it's Crystal Palace. It's just under the radar. Um, And that's, yeah, I feel that's a little bit unfair on Crystal Palace. I think that should have been a bigger story than it ended up being. Maybe we're guilty of getting blinded by all the other things that are happening in the Premier League and not giving Crystal Palace enough attention. I'll tell you what we'll make sure we do is that next week when we um, build up to Crystal Palace against Arsenal, which is Palace's first home game of the new season, live on TalkSport, uh, we'll ensure that we put the spotlight upon them. Just on Sheffield United, Sam, before you move on, Paul Heckingbottom, who we had on the podcast a few weeks ago, you know, looking ahead to the season. The fact they've sold their two best players for un- from under him, not really strengthen the squad. If I was Paul Heckingbottom, I'd, I'd be contemplating my future. They've, they've given him no chance, have they? It's a disgrace. Well, it's something that we sort of suggested that it was going to be the case when we spoke to him, after we spoke to him, because he identified to us that he um, he believed that the budget was it was solid for what they were trying to do. But we the underlying tone of that conversation was one of he has to control what he has to control. 
I think he did a brilliant job to get them into the semi-finals of the playoffs the first year he took over. The second year to get them promoted was was a brilliant achievement from him. If he if he manages to keep them in the Premier League, Scott, he probably deserves manager of the year. Well, I mean, I mean, he's talking about climbing Everest here. Well, Crookie and I talked about Gary O'Neill, you know, if he, if he were to keep Bournemouth up, that he should be, you know, one of the nominations. I, I don't care about nominations. If Paul Hagenbottom keeps Sheffield United up, I don't care if Pep does the treble again. You know, this guy should be manager of the season. He's got both hands tied behind his back. I think he was on with Jim White just recently as well. I was listening to him. And he knows exactly what's happening. Crookie's not going to walk. He's not going to walk because it's a financial thing there as well. So he's going to just do what he needs to do. But I'm, I'm telling you now, despite the fans being absolutely amazing up there, and they will nick some wins, but they won't nick many, they are absolutely going down at this moment in time. They're not just going down, they're finishing bottom. Yeah, it's not a great situation. And I always, a bit like the Lepetsky situation, if you are if you are a supporter of that club, so if you're a Blade, right, you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, our manager's going to do just enough because he can't do anything else. So he's, he's waiting to get paid off because ultimately he's in a situation where the board have sort of stitched him up almost. That's how it feels like. Um, that doesn't fill you with confidence. And that's no disrespect to Paul Heckingbottom, by the way, because there's nothing he can no. do. His hands are tied behind his back and one of his legs is too. It is impossible for him uh, to be able to uh, to do his job. Uh, but it's just, can you imagine being a fan so optimistic about coming up into the Premier League and this is the hand that they've been dealt. I mean, it just is another underscoring of the ridiculous and most sort of horrible ownership that we've got in the Premier League up and down the country. There's just things that just aren't right and the way that people have managed situations in the past and how they will continue to do so in the future is just not good enough. And, and, and listen, I'm a guy who didn't think that regulation is necessarily needed in the Premier League. I thought the FA should do it rather than anything else. But do you know what? The more and more you see these incidents happening and the way that clubs are run down the pyramid as well, you think independent regulators got to come in sooner rather uh, then later. Uh, let's move on and talk about Sunday now, starting with a huge clash at Stamford Bridge. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Two sides coming off the back of poor seasons last time out. Things can only get better at Chelsea, but no Nkunku until December. Ouch, that's going to hurt. Uh, Fafana injured throughout the season. Won't be back until probably March or April. There's a lot of unproven talent in that squad for Pochettino. Liverpool have tried to rebuild their midfield. Defensively, their concerns, mainly because they've conceded in every pre-season game apart from the match against Leicester. But will their attacking power be too much for Chelsea, Crook? Possibly. I mean, I've gone for a draw in this game in my predictions, but that's really just based on the respect and admiration that I have for Maurizio Pochettino because man for man, I think Liverpool are well ahead of Chelsea at this moment in time. And Kunku is a massive blow, as you say, having looked sharp during pre-season. Big opportunity for Nicholas Jackson to see if he is ready for the Premier League, having scored some goals over the course of the pre-season friendlies himself. Liverpool have obviously rebuilt their midfield. Interesting subplot to this game is the battle between the two clubs for Romeo Lavia after we broke the news exclusively on Wednesday that Chelsea had joined the race for him and had actually made a bid higher than Liverpool's. So 
really, if you're asking what my head says, it's an away win. But because of the Pochettino effect, I'll go for a, a scoring draw. I oh, so charming. He can even he can even charm your stone heart. He's unbelievable. Um, Chelsea won only one of their last twenty Premier League matches against the top half teams last season. Oh, for God's sakes, that is a terrible statistic, isn't it? Um, they've significantly upgraded the dugout, Scott. But have they done enough to suggest they can challenge uh, the best of it? And, and Nicholas Jackson is he for real? <laughs> I love that, Sam. Give us a bit more. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Look, to a point, I think we can just throw last season in the bin. You know, what happens manager-wise, ownership-wise, players-wise. They, they, the owners have now earned, uh, um, got a little bit wiser. They've got a very good manager in. Thinking Kunku being out for four months is a massive blow for the club. I really do. I'm really pleased for Reese James that he's the club captain now and he's going to be the club captain for the next 10 years or so. But in terms of, look, I think, I think you know, Thomas Tuchel decided that Thiago Silva couldn't play in the back four a long time ago. So I think that's going to be a problem. And I, I don't think Frank fancied him in the back four either. He'll want to drop off, whereas we know that Poch wants to try and press high. So I think that's a pos- As much as I think he's been brilliant in the Chelsea shirt, defensively speaking, that's something which Liverpool should pinpoint on. But Liverpool themselves are a little bit undercooked as well. So I, I-, I can see this being a draw, and not just because they don't seem to beat each other whenever they yeah, play Yeah, it's other. always nil-nil it goes to penalties. It can't go to penalties on Sunday, which is, is a good thing, and there won't be any extra time. But look, um, if I was uh, Maurizio Pochettino, I wouldn't be picking Thiago Silva. Look, he's 143 years of age. <laughs> There's, it's, it's not fair. He, he should be he should be feet up, retirement, playing golf every week, and just looking beautiful, which he does very well. But the heart of a Chelsea defence, let's use him for the games where it, you need that nous, that experience, that Naldo central defender where you're going to be under the cosh. This may well uh, sort of replicate one of those. But I just, I don't think that Sunday, first game of the season, it sets the right tone having a 39, nearly 39-year-old centre-back who can't push up to the halfway line and, and play the high line that Mauricio Pochettino wants to play um, in your team from the start. I think you, you've got to make a decision that things are different. Axel Di Sassi is, is now in the ranks. Badia Schill may be injured for the first few games of the season. Uh, but they've got, they've got new defenders there that are capable. Uh, and ultimately, you, you, I think you should be using them rather than, than relying on someone who, let's be honest, is in the last nine months of his professional football career. It's not a good idea. And uh, Chelsea have won their last three opening day fixtures. Liverpool never lose on the opening day of the fixtures. They finish the season strongly, taking 23 points from their last nine. But they've got to get better away from home, haven't they, Crook? Because towards the end of the season, they did. But they had a terrible set of results on the road prior to the last six or seven games. Yeah, and that's mainly because of their defensive issues. I'm sure that Jurgen Klopp would have been working hard to solve those. Interested to see what role Trent Alexander-Arnold plays in this game and interested to see the makeup of the midfield because, as we mentioned, it's had a complete revamp. I think it's important for Klopp that he starts the season strongly. The drop-off was quite dramatic last season in terms of points, in terms of wins, in terms of goals scored. So I think he'll be aware that if he was Chelsea manager, for example, he may not even be in the dugout for this first game of the season. He'll be aware there's some pressure on him. Yeah, we did uh, mention that in our pre-season uh, pod that there, he does need to deliver this season. I think he'll do okay this year. I, I'm not sure that they'll, they'll they'll be challenging for the title, but I think they're most likely to be in the top four. Uh, you mentioned, and we haven't mentioned it yet, about the Chelsea midfield. I mean, we can pick the Chelsea midfield at the weekend, can't we? Because there's only two of them. Um, Enzo Fernandez and Conor Gallagher. They'll start uh, the season in the heart of the Chelsea midfield. The Caicedo deal still sort of rumbling on the background. Lavia deal uh, rumbling on in the background, as Crook has already mentioned. And, and even a, a little link to Tyler Adams at Leeds United. I was, I was away at the uh, in, in midweek, and an American friend of mine said to me, "Tyler Adams going to Chelsea? That'll be great." I went, yeah, for Tyler Adams it will be. Um, is it? Would it be a great signing for Chelsea, Scott? Uh, a squad player, nothing more, to be honest with you. Um, maybe we should ask producer Jeremy what he thinks of Tyler Adams being a big Leeds fan. Oh, yes, he is. He is. Is, is producer Jeremy able to give us his review on um, Tyler Adams? Quick, smart. Are you there? Yeah, great player. A bit limited on the ball. Very, uh, very workmanlike. 
I have to agree with Scotty, though, no more than a, a squad player and coming off the back of a very, very serious hamstring injury. Um, not going to be back until after the first international break. So I'm not sure why Chelsea would want to go for someone who's got such a bad injury lingering over them. Okay, cheers, Jeremy. Thank you very much. That was a very good interjection at just the right time. Very good. Very good. Very impressed. And I'm pl- pleased to know that Chelsea are going for somebody else who is injured um, because uh, <laughs> they seem to be getting all those medical decisions right at the moment. Well, news broke on Thursday morning that Spurs had reached an agreement with Bayern Munich over the transfer of the England captain, Harry Kane. A proposal from the Bundesliga side, which we believe to be around about €100 million, Euros, was accepted by the Premier League side on Wednesday. Uh, what's the latest, Crook? You've been following this all summer. Is it coming to a conclusion? Well, that's the big question. And at the moment, one that only Harry Kane could answer, as you say, a €100 million Euro bid plus add-ons. I think the total package that Bayern are offering is £95 million. That is comfortably a club record for the German giants. I think the reason that they press go is because Harry Kane's camp have made it clear they want his future decided before the game against Brentford on Sunday. And it's now up to Harry Kane if he wants to make that move and turn his back on the chance to become the record Premier League goalscorer. At the moment, we're getting mixed messages on that. Some saying that because it's got this far, it's inevitable that Harry Kane leaves. Others suggesting that maybe, having worked with Postacoglu, he might be having second thoughts and he might well stay. Well, Harry Kane wanted it resolved by the start of the season. That now looks like it could be the case. What happens next? Well, it's a big 48 hours ahead, I think, for, for Harry Kane and for Bayern Munich. We should find out shortly if he is willing to sign a contract. No doubt he already knows the personal terms on offer. We understand it would be a deal worth about half a million pounds a week. Of course, he's got this contract offer on the table from Spurs as well to become the highest paid player in their history. So far, he's shown no real inclination to sign that. And as we've said all summer, the card's still very much stacked in Harry Kane's favour. He can join Bayern Munich probably win a couple of Bundesliga titles over the course of a five-year contract, go deep in the Champions League. He can wait until January and sign a pre-contract agreement with an overseas club, or he could join a Premier League club for free at the end of the season. That's if he doesn't sign that Tottenham deal. Let's focus on the game itself. Kane saga rumbling on in preparation to it. Pre-season friendly rained off. Brentford only losing twice at home last season. Are Ange Postacoglu's team going to make heavy weather of their opener? I'm actually quite excited to get a first look at a Postacoglu Tottenham team. I think Madison is going to be a real star in the midfield. Obviously, they've strengthened defensively by bringing in Van der Ving. You tell me that's the correct pronunciation. Uh, correct me if uh, if you've changed your mind on that. So, yeah, I think Spurs are going to have a good season. Um, I, I think they, I think they're going to they're better equipped than Chelsea um, to try and make a tilt of that top four as difficult as it will be. But obviously, that's heavily dependent on Kane. If he stays. I think they're going to be right up there. If he goes, you're talking top eight at best. How do you spell Van de Veen? Uh, Van, uh, Van, de, de, Ven, V-E-N. How much of a distraction is the Kane noise, Scott? Does it affect Tottenham? I'm not sure it does. We know that Daniel Levy, you know, is, is a brilliant businessman. Um, I, and I've heard people, Crookie included, sort of saying, oh, well, you know, it's 50, 60 million for finishing Champions League place. They ain't finishing top four, although maybe top five might be enough. I still don't necessarily see that happen, but fifth could could possibly happen. But it's still a gamble. Whereas if you can get a hundred million for him on a thirty-year-old who's got one year left, and if you can go abroad as well, then it's a win-win for Daniel Levy. But also, too, you know, who does replace him? Is it just Richarlison? Um, is that what they're going to do? Because if you are going to bring someone else in and the season starts, it's going to take them time. You know, the money men want as much money as possible. And I get that. But in terms of the football side of things, you want to start the season well. And the best way to do that is to get your players in as early as possible. Um, look, I, I, I thought Crook was probably a little bit uh, dismissive of Brentford because they've only lost twice at home all of last season. And, you know, I know that uh, they're missing Ivan Tony. 28 of their 58 league goals last season were scored by him. But they do have other options. And if you speak to Brentford fans, they quite like Mbermo, Visser and Kevin Sharder, who, again, is another one of those players who had six, seven months uh, in the Premier League last season and has now sort of got 
more used to playing in the league, more used to playing with his teammates and is well thought of. Um, so I wonder whether or not this might be a difficult time uh, for Tottenham to go to the Brentford Community Stadium. It's always sold out. It's always a great place to go. And that's a bit of a cliche, but it's, uh, it's not the easiest place to go. Uh, and, and try and win a football match. I think they, who were the only teams that won their last season. One of them was was Arsenal. I was there with you, Scott, that day. But I mean, I, I can't remember who the other one was. But they they didn't lose very often Newcastle. at all. And Newcastle United was it? Yeah, I, they they're a good team uh, in the but just by the bus stop in Hounslow. Um, Manchester United against Wolves is eight o'clock live on Talksport on Monday. Now we, we don't usually do too much on a Monday night game on our preview podcast, but um, there's a big story here in this game, and that is is that Gary O'Neill is back in the Premier League as the manager of Wolverhampton Wanderers. As we mentioned on the preview pod, Lepetegui had already checked out. It was just a matter of time. I spoke to Gary early in the week. He, he flew back from a family holiday in Portugal last Thursday uh, to take part. It was over a week ago now uh, in an interview process. And because Wolves and Lepetegui had sort of agreed to make the process quite as smooth as possible, they'd already started to try and find a new manager before they'd got rid of the other one. He sort of was there for the transition. Gary then went back to Portugal, wait for a response. They looked at other options. I think they looked at Frank Lampard as one of them. But Gary's experience with Bournemouth, I think, held him in good stead. He flew back Tuesday to sign the contract. Wednesday, he spent finalising his coaching team. And Thursday, he took his first training session. He told me very excited about uh, the job. It does look a tough job for him, though, bearing in mind there's still a lot of financial pressures there. But he did very well under pressure at Bournemouth last season. But it's not an easy start, Scott, is it? No, I can't see Gary getting, with all due respect to him, and we do wish him all the best getting anything out of this game at all. But it's not about, you know, the first game of the season. Although we, we've just said in a lot of games, first game of the season, you're never quite sure the pressure will be on United. But I, I don't see how Gary can get anything out of this particular game. And I do think, as much as I think he's a really progressive coach, I, I know that he did really well and impressed a lot in the interview. Um, and I, I'd love to see him get up the, the Premier League and become a top four manager. But at this particular moment, I have to be honest and say, it's. I understand why Wolves fans are, are being a little bit underwhelmed with someone who's only been a manager for, for one year. But the, the main thing at the moment with the FFP problems are to keep Wolves in the Premier League. And he's done it before with you know, a lesser club, in inverted commas. I think he can definitely do it here. But where, where's the long-term vision for him? It's a great opportunity for him, but where's the long-term vision for him to get Wolves, you know, top half and, and going for Europe? Yeah, well, obviously, Lepetsky actually was in a quite a difficult situation personally, I think, when he was uh, asked to be the Wolverhampton Wanderers manager. Uh, he turned it down initially, then decided to go with the project because he was sold that vision of getting Wolverhampton Wanderers into the top 10 on a regular basis and challenging for Europe obviously had to be revised, not once, not twice, but three times uh, during the latter part of the season. So at least Gary's going into the situation with his eyes wide open. Um, Their first game is away at Manchester United, live on TalkSport, Monday Night Football. It's only on this radio station. Eric Ten Hag got off to a rotten start last season, but this season should get off to a better one, Crook. Yeah, this is a great opportunity, uh, given the upheaval at Wolves. Good luck to Gary O'Neill, by the way. Um, I got a lot of stick from Wolves fans when I broke the news earlier this week that he was being lined up. So all apologies, gratefully accepted. And you have to say that Gary certainly doesn't shirk from a challenge. Be the bigger man, be the bigger man, just accept it. It happens, that's the nature of the beast. (laughs) But this is a big challenge. Uh, Manchester United have have had a mixed bag of a pre-season, obviously beat Arsenal, picked up a morale-boosting win at Old Trafford. Uh, at the weekend, I'm excited to see Anana in the flesh because, as you know, Sam, we're going to be in amongst the crowd on Monday night. I'm excited to see Mason Mount make his home debut. Um, and I'm excited to see if Rashford can pick up where he left off last season. But this might come back to bite me. I'd be surprised if Manchester United don't pick up a, an opening day win and quite a comfortable one. Yeah, you, you mentioned mixed bag pre-season. I think everyone's had a mixed bag pre-season. Manchester United have sort of have done well, I think, when their first 11 has played. Would that be fair? Yes, I agree. And that, that hasn't happened too often. Um, Rashford has been used sparingly as he fills his way back to, to full fitness. Obviously, they've got Martinez and Varane reunited, having missed a lot of games between them last season. So if, if everybody can stay fit, you look at United's fixtures, Arsenal away, match day four looks difficult, but it's not a bad start to the campaign. I think if they can 
build up some momentum that should give them a springboard to have a really decent year. Um, Mason Mass had a bit of a quiet pre-season, but I think it will be uh, fine once he gets under the lights at Old Trafford on Monday night, 8 o'clock, live on Talk Sport. I'll be with uh, Danny Murphy for that one. After Friday night, football Burnley against Manchester City on Talk Sport. We're going to bring you Arsenal against Nottingham Forest. Live from the Premier League, Saturday, 12.30. It's a Talk Sport exclusive. We're round the grounds on game day live with Adrian Durham, Trevor Sinclair, Mickey Gray and Remy Allen. Uh, Adrian Durham with all the goals as they go in from the EFL and the Premier League and Bournemouth against West Ham is live on TalkSport 2. Monday night, uh, I'll be bringing you Manchester United versus Wolves. And don't forget, on Sunday, we've got the Sunday session, a big new Sunday session, which starts at 1.30 through till 6.30. We'll be live from the Brentford Community Stadium, Brentford against Tottenham, and from Chelsea against Liverpool in the Premier League. What a start to the season on TalkSport. Make sure when you've downloaded the podcast, you rate and review it and tell all your friends about the all-new Premier League, all access from the world's greatest sports radio station, TalkSport. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.